welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. I didn't have a playbook starting out. I had to learn everything the hard way. The good news is you don't have to. Great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Let's get to work. All right, guys, welcome to episode four of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Let's get building. So you've decided to hire a salesperson. This is, this is the, probably the first step into replacing yourself as the salesperson and then the sales manager and then the CEO. You know what I mean? The whole thing we want to do as business owners is to keep replacing ourselves, keep bringing people into the business so that one day it's able to run on its own or you're able to exit, right? So hiring a salesperson, what's first? The first thing we need to understand is the money side of the whole thing, right? So uh, let's get real, real binary here. Gross profit. What is gross profit? Gross profit is the profit a company makes after deducting the cost associated with making and selling its products or the costs associated with providing its services. Okay, so for, for me in my business, that is the cost of fulfilling the product and the cost I'm going to pay the salesperson to sell it, and then I've got my gross profit, right? And so right now, you don't have a salesperson, so you're, you just need to understand the cost to fulfill your product and then the money that's left over after that, right? And that is going to give you roughly how many sales you need to make in order to pay for said salesperson. And they're not sales you need to make, they're sales that that salesperson needs to make in order to pay for themselves. So it's a, it's a really simple formula. And depending on what you're paying them in salary or uh, base, that's how you're gonna come up with that, that formula. So let's just say, for instance, you sell rubber balls, okay? Big red rubber balls that are indestructible and last a lifetime, they're $1,000. Okay, the cost for you to get those rubber balls is $500. So if you hire a brand new salesperson and you tell that salesperson, I'm going to pay you $500 a week plus commission, then you know all that salesperson has to do is sell one of those big red rubber balls and that salesperson will be paid for. Anything that they sell after that is is going to be a profit to the company after their commission, right? So that enables you to also figure out what you're going to pay them in commission, right? So if they sell a rubber ball and you pay them $250 in commission, well, now they need to sell two rubber balls in order to pay for themselves, okay? And that's, the, that's what you want to get to every time. You want to understand how many sales does this salesperson need to make in order to pay for themselves? Because then that gives you a foundation point. And then when they go under that, that is what you should consider underperforming. Now, you also have to look at how many sales have you been making on a weekly basis. Now, keep in mind, this is your passion, right? They're going to need some training. They're probably going to need about 30 days to get into the groove of things. You know what I mean? And they're not going to have your, they may not have your work ethic. Or they may, just depending on how well you hire. But either way, I would always say if I can make 10 sales a week, then a brand new salesperson is probably going to be around five, right? And so in the rubber ball scenario, the big red rubber ball scenario, if that salesperson makes five sales in a week, two, let's put those to the side, those, 
those paid for themselves. And then I've got three that they make the rest of the week. So now I've got $750 in profit. I hope you're taking notes because this, this can get away from you real fast. I do this all day long, right? And uh, if you ever need any help with this, just uh, reach out to me, DM me, TXBizDad, uh, on any social media platform except for Snapchat. I'm not on there. That just gets you in trouble. Uh, any social media platform, and uh, I will give you a sample uh, spreadsheet that you can use for that. So just reach out to me. I'll shoot that over to you. No big deal. Okay, let's move on from the commission. Okay, the, the next question is, are they going to be 1099 or W-2? Okay, this is not tax advice. I'm going to go ahead and say that. But in my experience, even, even, even me being from Texas, which is a right-to-work state, and which is somewhat lax on uh, 1099 versus W-2, even in Texas, I'm going to say this simply. If you tell that salesperson where and when to be there, then make them W-2. If you tell them where and when to be there, make them W-2. If they do not pay for something of their own in order to complete the position, make them W-2. So I have two types of salespeople in my company, just to give you an example. I've got my MDU team, and they work from home. They make their own hours. They go out to the field. They know the scope of work that we, that we train them on. But other than that, they make their own decisions every day on what they do. So they're 1099. I've got another team that is solar, door-to-door. And uh, they come into the office every day at 10 o'clock. So they're W-2. So just give you some examples there. Now, here's the next question. Base plus commission or base against commission? Okay. I personally am a huge fan of base against commission. This is a performance model, right? And this is typically a a model you want to use when you have a high margin product. So like our in the example of our big red rubber balls, a basic against commission is easy to meet because of the $250 in commission per sale, right? So if I give someone a $500 base against commission, then they've got to make three of those big red rubber ball sales in order to exceed their base. And when they exceed their base, they get the commission. When they get below the base, they get the base. Or when they earn below the base in commission, they get the base. So it's base against commission, a.k.a base or commission, whichever is higher. Now, base plus commission is kind of a different story. This is something that I would do if I had to put my commission at, say, $100, where my commission is going to be responsible to for 20 or 30 of my, my earnings, 20 or 30% of my earnings, then I'm going to be okay with base plus commission, Right. Because you need, to, you need to make sure that their bills are paid. Your commission isn't very high. So base plus commission makes a little more sense there. But it is going to be a lot harder for them to pay for themselves. So that, that's in the case that you have a low margin, low gross profit, low margin product. Okay, so I'm going to give you two examples of bases that you can use. And, and keep in mind, if you are hiring your first salesperson, you probably don't have a large organization that can afford a hundred thousand dollar salary for a salesperson, and so um, we're looking at entry level salespeople and or salespeople with experience and with a history of success. 
Okay. And let me tell you the difference between the two at the current going rate. Entry levels, entry level salespeople, that base plus commission or base against commission, you're going to set at about $500 a week. It's enough for them to have a, a one bedroom apartment and pay some bills, right? But they're still going to be hungry, right? And it's an entry level position. So you've got to teach them all the skills. You've got to wait for their learning curve to come around. And if this is an experienced salesperson, I would go all the way up to a thousand in a week, right? This is uh, somebody that you know is going to come in and hit the ground running. They need to, they need like a week to learn the product, but they're 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 going to take off. And it it really matters. Look at the scope of the position. If I'm selling big red rubber balls, like that's not a very hard sell. You know what I mean? If I'm if if I'm selling like some financial product or something like that, or something I need a college degree for, you know what I mean? I may want to set that base at a thousand a week. But for the most part, I think most of our new business owners that are just hiring a salesperson are going to be just fine at 500 a week. And understand that's not their income. Their income needs to far exceed that, if not double that and triple that in order for them to be fulfilled in their position in terms of compensation, right? And so one thing, one other thing I would do, especially if this is an entry-level salesperson, is you want to pay in weeks, okay? So don't, don't wait two weeks to pay them because they need to be able to visualize their commission check as they make sales throughout the week. And if they have to put it together over two weeks' time, they're, they're going to lose track of that. They need to be able... One of the reasons that I always say make the commission really simple is so that they can do the math in their head. And if I go out and I make a sale every day and the commission for that sale of selling that big red rubber ball is $250, then I know if I make four sales in a day, then I made $1,000 in a day. And you need to be able to talk in those terms, especially when you're motivated in a salesperson. They need to know if I get up and I bust my ass and I knock out four sales a day, I'm going to make $1,000 in a day. And let me just say that these things need to be possible. It needs to be possible for a salesperson to make $1,000 in a day right now. If you guys have seen inflation and y'all have seen what a gallon of milk costs now, $1,000 in a day needs to be plausible, okay? If not, you need to raise the, probably need to raise the, the price of your product because you're still using prices from five years ago, Okay. So make sure that this salesperson can eat and they can eat good, right? So going back to the work pay in weeks, that also makes it easier on you in terms of pay. You typically want to pay one week after the week has ended, right? So if I'm getting paid this Friday, it's for the week before. Again, typically salespeople like their next check coming soon because then they'll work harder because they know, all right, I'm getting this check next Friday. You know what I mean? You'll never, I mean, you will see a salesperson work harder for uh, bigger, bigger ticket things. But in general, if you throw out a $100 cash bonus today and they get it in their hands today, your salespeople are going to kick it into high gear, right? That's, that's not what I recommend on a regular basis, but sometimes you just need that little extra, right? Okay, so weekly pay. All right, so now it's time to structure it. You guys know I love structure. So we want to make sure we have about six or seven things done before we place that ad for a salesperson, okay? 
So now it's time for the one-sheeters. One-sheeters, they are my favorite. Okay, on one side, we're going to have a comp plan, okay? So this is, this is the comp plan. That comp plan needs to include the, the uh, library of products that you sell and the commissions that they earn on them, okay? And if you sell, like, 50 products, try to narrow it down to, like, 10 major products that you sell, your best-selling products, right? If you can narrow it down to five, even better. Because if they go in, and especially in their first 90 days, all they learn is those five products, and all they sell is those five products, it's about them dialing in and making sales with your company and getting comfortable. Too many times we throw the book at them, say, you can sell all these products like it's some grand thing. No, I need like five to ten, you know, nicely uh, spread out products, you know, whether I'm making $100 or maybe one of the, the products I make 1000 on, right? Give me a good range, and then, and then again, make it simple. So I'm showing the commission based on those 5 to 10 products. And then somewhere on that comp plan, you need to show them how to make hundred grand. I know this may seem out of the realm of possibility, right? But... Leader, you can account leadership into that, okay? So on the back side of it, you're going to have opportunity structure, okay? So maybe they can, they, they're going to cap out at 50 or 60 grand as a salesperson, right? But you already need to be thinking about the opportunity structure. And look, if this is way too early for you even to think about them getting promoted to like a assistant manager or a sales manager, then then you at least need to talk about the opportunity with them in the uh, interview or the uh, onboarding, right? You need to let them know, hey, there's a reason I'm hiring you. I want to expand my business. I want to grow. Do you want to work for a company that's going to expand and grow? Here's a beautiful thing. It's like getting in on the ground floor of Apple, Mr. Salesperson. Every time this company grows, you're going to grow. You're going to grow in knowledge, you're going to grow in training, and you're going to grow in income. And then also what's going to grow is your opportunity. Okay? So really emphasize the ground floor if you're not able to put that opportunity structure together yet. If you are, if you already have that in mind, then great. You're in good shape. Make sure it's on the backside. All right, next is going to be uh, a script Right. And so whether this is a telephone position, a door to door position, you know, a store position, it it doesn't really matter. You need a general script and you put this together by recollecting, recollecting all the transactions that you've done and how that transaction has gone. There's two ways you're going to put this script together. Uh, One is the structure. It should be, for the most part, intro, qualify, present, close. And then, and then two is the steps of the conversation if it's not what I just said. Maybe there's more steps. Maybe there's more phone calls. Okay, maybe so you've there's got more. your script. You've got your structure. And now you want to include common objections. Common objections like it's too expensive. Like I heard that this was a bad product and how to overcome those objections. At least five of those on the backside of the script. The next piece that you're going to need, that's three pieces so far, the comp plan, the opportunity structure, the script with common objections. That's two sheets. Okay, the next thing you're going to get 
or you're going to lay out on one sheet is a code of conduct. All right, the reason that we're putting together a code of conduct is they need to know your core values, and then they also need to know common places that a salesperson could could have misconduct. You know what I'm saying? Like in, in, in our business, it is telling a customer that on the on AT&T credit checks, it's not a hard check. It's a soft check, which it is now. But back in the day, we literally had to write our code of conduct because it was a hard check. And so many salespeople were telling customers it was a soft check and then it was hitting their credit and it was dropping 10 or 15 points, you know. And so customers were upset about that. So we had to write that into our code of conduct. So I'll give you a real world example there. So make sure that they know your core values and they know your code of conduct. Include that on one side of the sheet. On the opposite side of the sheet, give them a day in the life of this sales position. AKA a schedule. They need to understand when I come into the office, if I come into the office at all, when I start prospecting, when I start running appointments, when I should schedule appointments. Once they get three or four weeks into the position, what their schedule should look like, right? Because if they're doing pipeline work on a schedule, then that's not going to come for like a week into it until they actually start having a pipeline. Right, so you need to have that ready to go for them. That's another two-sider. And then last but not least, probably the most important to the lawyers is a 1099 agreement, if they're 1099, or an employee handbook. And these are all very cookie-cutter things that you can get from, on the 1099 side, a website like Rocket Lawyer. On the employee handbook, you can reach out to my guy, Jeff Brecken, and uh, his HR company can take care of that for you. And they have templated ones ready to roll. Okay, so if you have those six items, uh, three sheets should cover it, plus the 1099 agreement and the employee handbook, then you are ready to place an ad for a salesperson. The places that you want to advertise, entry-level to mid-level salespeople, you're going to look at Indeed. You're going to get a lot of volume from Indeed, so make sure you have some kind of hoop for them to jump through. Once they apply on Indeed, whether it's go to your website and submit a resume or it's Indeed actually has questionnaires that you can fill out. Uh, One of my contractors, Shannon, just figured this out. They have questionnaires that you can fill out. I just placed an ad for an ad, uh, a digital appointment center in Corpus Christi, and 14 people applied. Only two filled out, followed the directions and filled out the questionnaire. Guess which two were even considering. (laughs) So that kind of makes it easy to weed those Weed those out, because Indeed will give you a lot of applicants. You can also use Facebook. Now, Facebook is going to give you a lot more of a targeted person, right? You're going to get exactly who you want, because they're, they're going to be able to go to your Facebook page and see what you do, see what you're all about. And they, they may even message you directly. And by the time that they actually come into the office, you know that they're a good candidate for the position. So Facebook really dials it in. But sometimes you need that volume from Indeed, right? And then there's other, other companies, you know, obviously Monster, if you're hiring like a $60,000, $70,000-plus type person. You've got uh, ZipRecruiter, which has a nice boost. You pay once, once a month for one ad, and it's like $250, bucks, $300. Bucks. You, you can get a few candidates from there. 
and uh, other companies like Career Builder. If you're only hiring one salesperson, I would not recommend doing any sourcing, which means basically getting access, paying a large fee to get access to the resume databases of all these websites, and then going through and, and sourcing resumes. I would not recommend that out of the gate. You want to get through an initial salesperson or two before you start doing anything like that. Really understand the profile of the person you need for this position. And then as you grow, as your sales teams grow, I would use things like predictive index. I would definitely use other items like a mark, a recruiting report where you show where am I advertising and how are my salespeople performing from each source. And then you can, as your sales teams grow, you can get into uh, doing reports on the trainers and the salespeople that they produce and how well, how well they're training. So that, that's getting a little away from me. But in my mind, just to summarize, when you're hiring a salesperson, the, the first thing you want to do is look at your gross profit. Can you afford them, depending on how many sales they make? Keep in mind, they're going to make about half the sales that you do initially because they're brand new to the position. They don't know the business like you do, right? And in 90 days, they should be able to replace you completely. Um, and then you want to cover 1099 or W-2. I would definitely get with your accountant or CPA on that, maybe even uh, a employment lawyer. I know back in the day, I think it was 14, I paid like $500 for two hours with a, or $1,000 for two hours with an employment lawyer. And I learned, I learned more in that two hours than I did in the previous three years in business in terms of W-2 versus 1099 employment. So I knew exactly how to structure my 1099 people. You're going to decide on Blake's Base plus commission or base against commission. The advantages and disadvantages are there. Uh, 500 a week or 1,000 a week. You want to structure them in, in with weekly pay. And then on your one cheaters, front and back, you're going to have a comp plan and opportunity structure. Front and back, you're going to have a script with common objections and then a day in the life of, a, of that salesperson, a schedule. And then front and back, you're going to have a code of conduct. And then a 1099 agreement, and if it can fit. And then if they're a W-2 employee, you're going to have an employee handbook. Have all that ready to go. And then place your ads in sites like Indeed, Facebook, Career Builder, ZipRecruiter, Monster. I don't even touch that anymore, but I have entry-level to mid-level salespeople that I hire. So that's it, guys. That's everything. This was episode four. Looking forward to uh, episode five. I've got some pretty cool guests lined up. This is uh, what I'd like to call a mini episode. And I'll, pr- I'll probably trying to be trying to sneak these in every, every 10 days or so. Just quick tactical things that if you scroll through my episodes and you need something specific, hopefully this triggers it and gives you some value. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We sure do appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time.